Well, we, uh, Julie and I made our uh, seventh trip into Ukraine and uh, in August and got back around the 1st of September. And things are still very, very difficult there, as you can imagine. In fact, even yesterday, the last couple of days, there have been um, a couple of uh, missiles that have hit on the Kharkiv side. I think yesterday's killed around 50 people were killed yesterday uh, in a in a meeting over there. But uh, we were able to see the Lord is still working. We held a, a session of our Bible Institute, the Slavic Baptist Institute, and then we did evangelistic meetings and outreaches and uh, held a baptismal service over in the Kharkiv area there on the east side. Um, and with that, even uh, one of our pastors there was baptizing and invited, invited me to come. And you could even hear the missiles there hitting in the distance while they were holding a baptismal service. So there was a joy, uh, a great joy by those who were following the Lord in baptism uh, at their following and obedience of the Lord. Uh, and then, of course, you've always got that reminder of war and what's happening uh, when you hear the explosions and so forth in the distance. Uh, when we returned back to Kiev, in fact, that was on a Saturday, we came to our service at Living Hope Baptist Church in Kiev for Sunday service. And we also held a baptismal, and uh, we had a group that followed the Lord in baptism. And what was fascinating, uh, I believe there were five that got baptized. What was uh, fascinating was that these came from the Orthodox Church background, and they uh, had taken their uh, icons off the walls and returned them to the Orthodox Church and left them there and decided to follow Christ. So that was amazing to see. And um, uh, just again, there was a joy that's just hard to express that these had. These were older, uh, in fact, these were all older ladies that were following the Lord. And so it was just, they were like teenage girls as uh, they got down into the water um, and uh, just were filled with his joy. So we rejoice in that. Uh, we also were able to ordain the young man that leads the ministry there, Dima. He's now really pastoring the church in Kiev, Living Hope. And uh, we had an ordination service for him. And we do ask for your prayers for him, for his wife, Erica, as uh, their little girl, Abigail. You know, sometimes he writes and, uh, you know, it's in the middle of the night. There are explosions, sirens. Their building is shaking. Now, praise God, their building is you know, not been hit. It's been closed. There have been windows, not in their building, that were broken. Their windows have been blown open but did not break. But uh, you can imagine two in the morning uh, with the sirens and, and the explosions and your little girl waking up and uh, crying and so forth. And then do you take her to the bomb shelter? Do you have time to get to the bomb shelter? You know, how long do you stay in the bomb shelter? Then when you come back up from the bomb shelter, back you've got a you know an hour and a half two hours later you've got to put her back to sleep again so these are just kind of what's become somewhat normal life i think there was a streak of like 30 days where 20 out of those 30 days kiev was uh, was targeted now the majority of those missiles and drones that are fired are uh you know hit by air defense but still even when they're hit by air defense they uh explode in the air they fall to the ground on fire, they fall on people, they fall on buildings, and so forth. So 
just very, very difficult. We we noticed uh, a number just of mothers and wives that have lost uh, husbands or sons fighting in the war. Uh, this last trip, we had brought about 1,600 children over the summer from eastern Ukraine in these war uh, areas um, over to western Ukraine, to Lutsk, where our camp is. And uh, over that part, we estimate that about 20% of those children have lost their fathers fighting in the war. Um, I forget which group, I think it's the UN, had a figure that came out. They estimate about 1.5 million children uh, are have PTSD. And for many, they will have this generationally. And for those that have had PTSD, you know, even for a believer who has Christ, that is uh, a difficult mountain to overcome by God's grace. It can be overcome. But can you imagine without God's grace and those that are going to face this without him, without knowing him, uh, the difficulties there and so how they'll turn to drugs, to alcohol and so forth. So uh, that's been amazing uh, just to see the devastation on the lives of children. I heard this past week that in Kharkiv, you know, on the eastern side of the country for many children, uh, they just have online school, not able to hold school. I think 2,000 schools in Ukraine have been hit by missiles or drones by the Russians. Uh, And of that, uh, I think 400, I believe, are completely destroyed. Um, and so you can imagine the online schools and the necessity just for safety. But I did see we're in Kharkiv. I believe they're going to start meeting down in the metro station, which is where the subway would be. They're going to try to start holding in-person classes in those areas. So uh, just again, just a part of, of life right now in Ukraine. And now we're, you know, a year and a half into it um, and, and more. So, I mean, it's It's really been something that's been amazing for us to see. I mean, we rejoice in the many open doors that we've had and the many responses to the gospel that we've seen. I mean, we we've had groups as large as 12 to 1500 people, a thousand people that you're able to preach the gospel to. And so those are some amazing open doors. We've seen more responses to the gospel uh, that any time of my ministry in Ukraine, and as I shared earlier, those that are following the Lord uh, in believers' baptism, which has been fascinating uh, to to see. Uh, but also another thought is is we have gone to areas with the gospel uh, where the gospel, best we know, has never been publicly proclaimed there. We were up in a little village that was about four miles from the Russian border north of Kharkiv, Earlier, it had been intense fighting there, uh, occupied by Russia uh, for, a, for a period. We had met with the mayor. We had a, a good group of people that gathered. In fact, it wasn't just that village. There were some other villages where people came, and uh, we were able to preach the gospel there. But the best we know, that was the first time the gospel ever preached there uh, publicly. We were in another village, uh, south of that village. And uh, people gathered into a wooden kind of a community building. I think we had maybe around 80, 100 people that gathered. Best we know is the first time the gospel was ever, ever preached there. 
So many of these areas where we're going, where we're preaching, there is no church. There's no gospel preaching church. And, uh, but yet God is opening doors and, uh, people are responding earlier of those children, uh, that came over the summer to the camp in Western Ukraine there in Lutsk, uh, and are now back home in Eastern Ukraine. We've seen a couple of Bible clubs that have been started. Some of our students from SBI are, uh, running those clubs. So, uh, there's just a desire even from children to know more about God, to learn more about Christ. So, Really, you could say the war in Ukraine has uh, brought about a awakening of souls to the gospel, and we rejoice in that. But it's just a weird dynamic because at the same time, your heart just breaks for those that have been uh, paid such a cost, you know, loss of life, uh, loss of, of so much. And I think the UN is estimating about 17.6 million in need of humanitarian assistance. We're still buying aid. In fact, we just bought uh, a load of aid this past week that went to Kharkiv. Uh, it costs for about 11,000 pounds. That's about five metric tons, about uh, $7,000. That will feed about 600 people uh, for three weeks. But again, with that aid going out, uh, the gospel uh, is continuing to go out. We just received about 80,000 uh, New Testaments uh, and we've been been distributing them. Almost everyone takes a New Testament. We've even been on the eastern side where people are more ethnically Russian, and they will take the Ukrainian uh, New Testaments, and, and uh, they'll even ask, preach to us in Ukrainian. Uh, they will say, we are going to learn Ukrainian. So you see where the war is even uniting uh, Ukraine in, in some ways, because the eastern part of the country has been the parts has been the hit the, the hardest and where the war is the the most intense. Uh, we were just down in Kursan, uh during this trip and met with the uh, like the regional governor of Kursan. We went down into his bunker, met with him. We were able to give him a New Testament and pray with him. Uh, but while we were there in Kursan, we went to a church that uh, in Kursan earlier had been occupied by Russia. The Russians are just across the uh, Dnepro River. Uh, so right across the river, there was, in fact, while we're in Kursan, you can hear them firing back at each other. Uh, but we visited a Baptist church that was there, and uh, they shared with us how uh, during the time of occupation, they got down to where it was just the pastor and his family and uh, a deacon and, uh, and his family. And so uh, that was it. And then after uh, a period of time when they were freed in Ukraine, once again, uh, had freed them and they were in Ukrainian free territory. Uh, and, and probably Kursan only about maybe 20, 25 percent occupied of its overall population. Many still have not returned, obviously, because of the fighting. But this church that had got down to just the pastor, his family, deacon, his family, and that was it. They are now running 500. Uh, and I mean, they've got people, the auditorium is jammed. They've got seats outside. Uh, and these, again, these are just people that are, are searching for hope. And uh, many churches in Ukraine, I, I know across in northeast Kiev region where uh, a, a good friend and staff member of our institute pastors and uh, their church before the war, maybe 125. 
Right now they're running around three to three fifty. Uh, and I'll tell you just an interesting uh, story uh, that uh, is fascinating. We had a um, uh, one of our guys was contacted by a secular refugee center, and uh, they came about four hundred and fifty refugees, and they came to him and they said, uh, the director said, "Listen, we these people have no hope, and uh, they just have no hope, and we, we, we don't, you know, we don't know what to tell them. Do you have any message from the Bible that could give them hope? We don't care what you teach." The director said, "Can you just bring them a message of hope?" And I would say, "Yes, Ukrainian needs aid, uh, physical aid, and." We're trying to help with that, you know, the best that we we can. And there are so many that are just hurting. Uh, but the greatest need in Ukraine is for the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Colossae uh, when he wrote in Colossians 1 and verse number 5. He said, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. Uh, it is the gospel that brings this hope. And in Ukraine, you know, their country filled with Orthodox churches, uh, Catholic churches on the Western side. But there's no hope in the message of the Orthodox Church. There's no hope in the message of the Catholic Church. The messages are really very similar. You have to earn God's favor. You have to keep commandments. Even then, you can't know when you die where your soul will spend eternity. You can't know that you have peace with God because you don't know that you've earned it yet or not. You have to keep striving and working. There's no hope in that. What a hope we have in the gospel, the true gospel of Christ, that Christ has purchased this hope by his blood, that it was finished and fully paid for at the cross of Calvary, that that was ratified by his resurrection from the grave. There's no doubts about our hope. In fact, Peter writes, we have a living hope because we have a living Savior. So that hope is what our men and uh, women in Ukraine are striving to bring to the people of Ukraine. Nothing excites us more than when we receive pictures of the aid and the gospel continuing uh, to go out and the hope of Christ continuing to be preached to those that so desperately need it. But what we rejoice in most of all is those that are hearing the hope and receiving the hope. So we thank you for your prayers. We ask that you would please continue uh, praying for Ukraine and uh, praying for the people of Ukraine, praying for an end of this war, but praying that all there can hear of the hope of Christ and uh, the hope of his resurrection. And we would covet those prayers. Pray for the safety of our people as they travel into some very dangerous areas, uh, risking their lives to take the gospel. Many could have fled the country themselves, but they have chosen to stay and minister the gospel. And I believe God is rewarding them with souls for their hire, for his glory and for his praise. So we thank you for this time today. We thank you for your prayers. And we just ask you to please continue praying. And uh, I will I will have a word of prayer right now if it's okay uh, for Ukraine and for what's going on over there. Let's let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and for your grace. And Lord, I thank you that you're such a good and faithful God, that you're such a merciful God in a time, Lord, in Ukraine right now when there is so little mercy and some of the horrific deeds that we've heard and uh, things that just break your heart. And we 
realize this how some people are going through such very very heartbreaking situations but we know that through this oh god you are working for your glory and you are working in hearts and lives for your praise we ask that you would give strength and power uh, to our team members over there and those that are so faithfully pastors preaching the gospel we rejoice in so many that have come to christ and for the joy that they have the joy that I see in them through such a difficult time. Uh, But, Lord, we we pray that you would protect them and keep them. Uh, Lord, just give a boldness to continue proclaiming your truth, opening doors of utterance to the gospel of Christ, to those areas and regions and precious souls that have still yet to hear the hope of the gospel of Christ. We pray that you would not only open the doors, but Lord, that you would glorify your gospel, that you would give power, that as your gospel is preached, that souls would be enlivened, that their hearts would be convicted and stirred to see their need of Christ, that they may turn unto Christ and receive the hope of the gospel through the word of the truth of the gospel. So bless our workers, and Lord, bless those that have received, help them to grow now in Christ, Bless Dima there in Kiev as he ministers to a church and just give him wisdom and grace as he ministers power, as he ministers give safety to he and Erica and little Abigail. And Father, to just our network of of churches there and family members there uh, through Slavic Baptist Institute, Father, be with these that are so faithfully serving. We pray for an end of the war. Uh, Lord, we do. We, We hate to see this heartbreak continuing, but at the same time, we just rejoice in what you are doing. You are Jehovah Jireh, and Lord, we pray for your continued provision, for uh, compassion for Ukraine, Uh, Lord, through monetary means or through the gifts we've received and humanitarian aid that we've received, and especially for the New Testaments that we've received. Father, just continue to pour your grace upon us. And uh, give us grace in this time for your glory and for your praise. Uh, Lord, again, we thank you for this time. I thank you for these that are praying for Ukraine and for their heart to pray for missions in general. And Lord, it's not just in Ukraine that your grace is needed and that laborers are needed and workers are needed. Uh, Lord, they are needed in Southeast Asia, in, in India, Lord, in Laos, in countries that are in such great and desperate need around the world. Father, give us boldness and grace and labors to do the work you've called us to do, that all may hear of your love and of your grace. Father, we love you and we praise you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the price you were willing to pay on Calvary, that we might have peace with our Father, that we might today come boldly to his throne of grace and uh, and present these needs today in your precious name and by your righteousness. So we thank you today, Lord, and we thank you today, Father. We thank you for this time of prayer, and it's in Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen.